Let's go. Hello and welcome to another edition of MMA Uncaged, a special edition indeed. Lots to talk about, lots to celebrate. And it's proudly brought to you by Ginger Fox Coffee, guaranteed to make you as clever as a fox. Remember, we're on uh, iTunes. We're also, of course, on the Amazon podcast. So you can catch us there. Check us out also on SoundCloud and all the social media. Now, of course, it's a great pleasure to welcome a gentleman who made his UFC debut just the other day on Fight Island, Yes Island, Drickus Duplessis. Tell us, how was it to make your debut? And uh, you, you, I think the commentator summed it up perfectly and said you were like a kid at Christmas opening his presents in that octagon. Hey, yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, good to be back. Uh, obviously, uh, it couldn't have gone any more perfect for me. Uh, I'm feeling on top of the world right now. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible experience. Uh, yeah, I guess that's basically the best way to possibly uh, explain what, how I felt going into the fight. You know, I try to, I try to uh, hide my excitement as much as I could and try and keep a straight face. But, you know, just the magnitude of the, the situation uh, made, me, made me almost burst out laughing when I walked out because, I mean, the nerves were there. The, the situation was so big. Uh, I just realized this is, this is massive. And, you know, this is what I've worked for my whole life. And it's finally here. Joining me as always, Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan and Justin Ferrier. Uh, chaps, I mean, what did you make of Drickus Duplessis' debut? We definitely looked like he was enjoying the moment and had us a little bit worried early doors, but came through and uh, finished the Joker, the Brazilian. Congrats, Drickus. Yeah, look, I mean, I... Uh... Thanks, guys. Go, Jay. You go, Jay. Okay, all right. You go, Jay. So, I'll let I you go. I wonder what Dana White said back to you. Well, uh, I mean, he was pretty far away from me. So, yeah. I mean, when I walked in, uh, I saw him for the first time. That's the first time I saw him. I, have ne I didn't meet him face to face. And okay. I was so excited to see Dana White. And I just waved at him. And after the fight, I went over and I said, well, Dana, if you didn't know, now you know. And he, de he screamed back, I definitely know now. And I said, thanks for the opportunity. And that was it. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. Jickers, I mean, how, how, tell us about the experience, you know, because... You know, we've, we've, we've got Gareth's side when he made his debut and he spoke about the pressure of a nation, you know. The whole of South Africa got behind you. Tell us what it was like getting there, settling in the experience uh, for someone who, you know, like we, who hasn't been there. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I didn't realize how big it was. Obviously, for me personally, it was massive. I mean, it's my whole, everything I've ever done was, was to, to get to this point in my career. And uh, I think a lot of people make the mistake once they get to the UFC, this is the ultimate for them. And for me, that is not my ultimate. To get into the UFC, that's just one step in, in the ultimate goal. So, I mean, I got to fight on short notice. So for me to try to mentally prepare, I've, I've, and I said, a lot of people said, this is a short notice fight. That's, that's pretty unlucky. And I said, listen, this is not a short notice fight. I've prepared for this fight for 11 years of my life. Uh, it's not short notice. Uh, I've always been, been preparing for this moment. So, I mean, the whole experience was, it was so surreal that every single time I got myself thinking on how big the situation is right now, I would say, no, there's too little time. 
right now to be able to sit and think about how big this is. I said, after the fight, I'm going to treat this fight like I treat every other fight. You know, if I lost my last fight as an UFC fighter, I wouldn't be in a situation where I get a shot at the UFC. Same being if my debut fight. So for me, I said, listen, this is just like every other fight. It's the most important fight. I've got out there fight. And after the fight, because it was so little time to really prepare mentally for it, I can let this all sink in and I can really take in how big this was for me. I mean, it looked from watching your Instagram stories, it looked like they really went all out. Like, uh, I mean, from the food they provided you with to the little, it looked like a, a, a chocolate cage and things like that. It seemed next level. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the, from the we got off, off the plane. As we got off the plane, it was a pretty long flight. We got off the plane and everybody had to get on a bus to go to the terminal. And we got on a separate bus, me and Monet and Cameron. We got a, a UFC uh, person from the UFC waiting there for us. And we had a whole different route through the airport. Uh, we went to through the gates immediately, no roads. A half an hour from the plane to the hotel, it was, it was... And I immediately realized once I got there, that I'm in the UFC right now. And, uh, you know, it was just on the next level. And I could, I could see it. I could see it's all about the show. You have to realize, like, it's all about the show has to go on. And what helped me a lot was they really want to make sure that you have one thing to focus on. Firstly, making weight. Secondly, performing at the best of your abilities. And they did everything in their power. I literally, I could have rocked up there without any clothes, without any pads, without anything to rehydrate or cut weight with. I would have been fine. Brilliant. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand, especially from when I first got there and I saw that in the Drickers. It's quite, it's quite imposing when you get there. I mean, you uh, you get there and then you realize the magnitude of the organization and how big they are and how efficient they are and how professional they are. There's nothing uncated for. And there's yeah. what one guy, in the, we laugh about it, the EFC does, there's 20 Oaks doing that at the UFC. And they just, they, it's just this machine. It just moves. And whatever you 100%. need to be the best of your ability, um, Drickus, when I, you know, I, I got a question for you. When you were in there, when you got in, you, See how excited you were. At what stage did you go, okay, we've, we're in the UFC, we're now fighting uh, for yourself. I mean, I, I know in the beginning you started out not probably as in the, in the vein that you wanted to. And I think you threw a, I think you threw a, a, a one, I think it was a three-punch combo. I think it was a three-straight punch combo. And once you had thrown that combo, you could almost see like, you were like, okay, I remember what I need to do here. And, or it was like, okay, I got this. And then very next combo, boom! Good night. Yeah. So basically what, 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 what that was all about, I had my game plan of, there was no really time to prepare for this specific opponent. I knew it was a southpaw. And we said, well, listen, there's no time to really go for, like I usually don't prep for opponents specifically, but there was no game plan uh, going in. Uh, a big game plan was to land. We said land as many low kicks as you can in that first round. That was the game plan. Land as many low kicks as I can. Because he's a southpaw and he's right next to my leaving leg, uh, switch your legs and get those low kicks. Obviously, on the front foot. And this guy, he did something that he never does in his fights. He just came forward and his stand-up looked better than he's ever looked before in his previous fights. He came forward with a big base and he was doing the stand-up to, to get to the clinch. I could see that. I could feel him wanting to clinch me up the whole time. And... Uh, 
was not part of our plan. That was part of fighting this fight. I looked at the fight and it definitely looked like I was nervous. I wasn't nervous. I was in a place where I was like, I don't want this guy to grab onto me, firstly. So, and he, he took control. He did that brilliant. Because, I mean, I'm in my first fight. He's a veteran in the octagon, if you can call it that. And he just put the pressure on so hard from the beginning. And I was like, well, don't get caught uh, in his game. Don't get trapped in his game. I have to get back to the middle where I want to be. And I can't, I can't just go forward and, you know, it's myself into the middle because then we're going to end up in a clinch. And I don't want that. So in the beginning, I was basically circling, trying to get out. And I wasn't really thinking about my offense. I was just trying to get to the middle, get to the middle. And he started landing. He landed a nice one-two. He landed two nice body kicks. And I just decided, listen, that's over right now. You're in the situation. You have to deal with this. You're on the back foot. Put your hands on your head and start kicking those legs. That was the game plan. Even on the back foot, put your hands on your head. Don't take any more damage than you have to. You know, uh, the offense will come. I mean, if I, if I break his legs in the first round, the second round, I'll have my shots. And uh, I immediately went over to that game plan. After like five low kicks landed, I could see he started backing off. And he put on a massive pace in the beginning and he started slowing down. And like you said, I, I started throwing some offense with my hands. And as soon as I connected him with the, I landed an overhand and I threw that combo, a three-punch combo, running forward. And I could see now I have him a little bit rattled. Now I, I've thrown some offense and I'm, I'm controlling the cage. And that's when everything started to go my way. That's when the momentum in the fight shifted. That's, that's a big thing we've spoken about before about you, because on many platforms, is that you've got this ability to take the ref counter and keep it there. And anything they do, you can do better. And, and, and the pace is like, I don't know, it's just like youth is on your side and you, you're able to just work yeah. results. So, I mean, I, well, I mean, for me. Yeah, yeah, Karen, sorry, Karen, Karen, Karen let's say Karen. Yeah, um, for me, the thing is, I watched all these guys previous fights as soon as, and as, soon as I got to know my, who my opponent was. And uh, it was pretty evident that in all of his fights, when round two and three came around, he was, he was pretty, like he had, He's never been finished, so he has the ability to like to get to seventy percent of his cardio and stay there between seventy and ninety percent of complete exhaustion for a whole fight. Where I believe uh, I can I can stay at a fifty percent and still push that pace right up until the end. And that was that was my game plan. Even though I was the short notice fighter for the last five years, I've been preparing for five rounders. So I know my ability to fight for five rounds, and I know I can go three rounds full speed. So as soon as we got in there, that was our game plan. Is push this, push the pace as hard as you possibly can, and get this guy to slow down, and you know ultimately look for that finish. That was the big thing for me is obviously getting the win, and being the first to finish a guy that's never been finished before. So I think it's, now we're starting to see a bit of a trend with that, that front hook of yours. I think it's yeah. uh, starting to, <laughs> yeah. to to man up some victims. But this, that's something that should obviously give you a lot more confidence as you, as you go up the ranks against the, the better fighters, the better strikers, the better wrestlers, to know that you have that, say, punch that can, can end a fight in a second. Yeah, most definitely. I think, uh, you know, that's one thing I, I realized. At welterweight, I was always stronger than my opponents. Uh, I was always taller than my opponents. Uh, I was a big welterweight, but it was almost like I lacked that force behind the punch. I had the speed, I had the, the physical power when it came to the clearance and ground game, but it was almost like my punches didn't have that, you know, when I started as a K1 fighter, I used to knock guys out left, right, and center. And yeah, I get to, to a, being a professional, smaller gloves, and I'm just not landing that knockout blows. 
And, uh, you know, once I found my stride at middleweight again and, you know, put the proper weight, uh, the healthy weight to, to be a proper middleweight, I started getting that power in my punches. And I, I, I like you said, started to get confidence in the, in the fact that I can knock people out. Because I want to find out, what, what are you taking out of this UFC experience? I mean, you have a guy who's always had laser focus. You've, you've prepared well. You've been the ultimate uh, professional and ambassador. Um, but what have you taken out of your debut? And, and what do you want to apply in your next UFC fight? A big thing that I did take out of this fight is I'm not the favorite in a sense. I'm, I might be the favorite on the score or on the betting odds, or, but I'm not a guy anymore that steps in there and everybody knows. Not a home ground advantage. Yeah. So, I mean, in my last few fights, like ever since for the past three, four years in the UFC, everybody that fought me, I could see before the fight, I got this guy. I know this guy is nervous because he's fighting me. Yes, they, they come to fight me, but it takes a while for them to realize that he's only human. That's, or at least to, to come to that. And some of the guys never got out of the blocks with that just because of the hype. And, you know, me, I try to, to, to win that mental game every time I, I get to a weigh-ins or I get to a face-off. Mm. And now I got into the UFC and I, this guy had no regards for who the, who the hell. He didn't know who the hell I was. I was the debutant in his eyes. I was the guy who's, who's fighting a veteran. And you can see that. He, he put the pressure on. He had no respect for, for what, he, what I thought I could do. And uh, I think that was something that I had to quickly change my mind. Listen, this guy doesn't give a shit who you are. This guy's going to come and try and take your head off. I think that was a big lesson for me. And uh, I mean, it, it, it was pretty cool. You see, listen, this guy, he doesn't think I'm some sort of double champion. He doesn't care. To him, I'm a newcomer. I'm somebody that needs to, you know, stay, stay. I, I still need to be in the bottom ranks. I'm not supposed to be fighting top 30 guys. I'm just a guy who took a fight on short notice because I wanted to get the publicity. And uh, right now, I mean, that was, that's a mindset I'm going to have to make very, very soon. And I have to start build myself and build my character and impose my will like I did in the EFC and, and, and other promotions. How I did that and start building my, building my reputation again as, a, as, a, as an athlete to people being in a position where they say, oh, shit, I'm fighting Drickers. Because I like being that guy. And uh, right now in the UFC, that was the one big thing that I, that I didn't want. I wasn't that guy because who were I? I, I was a new, I was a debutant. I was, I'm a nobody there. Well, you're somebody now. I want to ask a question. <laughs> what um, type of cornerman, and yes, I've heard uh, Monet, is Monet a calming uh, factor for you or does he help you? I know he so, plays a massive part in your life, but is he the calm, are you the calm guy? Or is he the calm guy? What's the... What's the <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> that switches quite often. Uh, a lot of times, up in the corner where I'm like, Coach, chill. It's fine. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. It was a loaded so, question, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, he is. Uh, I mean, in the KSW fight with Soldic, the first fight, uh, obviously, that first round was so intense and he was just throwing crazy punches. He didn't land too much, but I mean, he was throwing into my hands and it was crazy amount of power. And I mean, I got him. I landed on my neck at the end of that round and I went to the corner. I felt great. And uh, I thought, cool. In the beginning of that round, he had me, but uh, I, I made a great comeback. And when they was sitting in the corner and he was asking me five times in a row, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, coach, I'm okay. I promise I'm okay. And he's like, hey, can you hear me? Like, you know, he's almost trying to ask me, listen, are you with me? Are you? And I, because I was so calm, I, was like, I wasn't really breathing heavy. I was feeling great. And I was like, I'm really okay, coach. What do you need me to do? And I mean... So sometimes and other times I'm just like, 
when I get to the corner, I'm like, no, this and this and this and this. And he's like, no, just chill out. Just do yeah. what you, you got to do. So, you know, I think for, for the of us, you know, we've been, we've been spending uh, my whole personal career together. We, we are not only a coach and, and even though I'm, what, almost 20 years younger, a little bit more, four, 24 years younger than Monet, uh, we are basically best friends. I mean, we go out yeah, together. Yeah, you know, yes. It's uh, so. I mean, he's a he's a he's a friend. He's a he's a mentor to me. So, I mean, the stress for him is just also personal, more than just coaching. And uh, but you know, Monet knows me inside and out, and he knows when I'm really in trouble. And you know, he's also somebody that can really change the game plan because that's that's the great thing of not really fighting with the game plan. So a lot of times he'll be in the middle of a round. He'll be. No, game plan's not working. We're changing the game plan. Mid fight. Sorry, this is not going to work for this guy. And, you know, there's a lot of trust in your coach. When he goes, coach suddenly says, I know a game plan wants to take this guy down. We're not taking him down anymore. We're doing this now. For me as an athlete to say, okay, I believe in my coach 100%. I'm going to do what he says. That's hard. That's a hard shift to make. But never, never in my life has his, his advice, or even if he changed the game plan completely in the middle of the fight, let me down. Lucas, in terms of the, the next uh, sort of opponent, is there anything from the UFC? Have they said anything? Has there been, I mean, I know you're looking at a top 20 opponent and, and you want to impose your will, but uh, what's, the, what's the communication been like? I know you're back training, so you, you're getting ready for the next one. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a bummer right now because I was really hoping to get in there before the end of the year again. And uh, they were really excited to get me in there before the end of the year. They asked me, listen, we do you want to fight before December? I said, yeah, most definitely. I'm in shape. I didn't get any injuries in the fight. I'm ready to go. I've been, I've, I'm, I was back training on Monday. I was in Abu Dhabi still, and we were back training. Uh, I didn't have a long camp, like a real hard camp. So, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go. And uh, this is the last event on Fight Island. And for me to fight in the, in the States, the rest of the events this year are going to be in the States. I need to get that visa sorted before I can fight in the States. So right now, I need to be in the States for, for that to happen. Right now, the traveling there is not possible. So I have to wait till December to go to the States. I have to be there. I'm going to go train there for about six weeks. And Monet might be going with me. Uh, I'm taking a few. I need a fight contract to be able to get that visa. So what they can do for me, obviously, the fight cards, because they were so limited fight cards, are pretty stacked right now and all of them were in the US so they were like the first card they have opened that they can pre-book me is in February and uh, for me to be able to fight in the, that means that I have to get that visa sorted out first to be able to earn in the States yeah sure uh, right now is, it, is, is it a work visa that you said you need yes as H1 or H1B work, or something like uh, that talent special talent visa or yeah, something. Some, I stayed ready this week to say listen if somebody falls off, even at 205, I mean, I'm ready. I'm feeling good. Uh, it just get me on a fight card. And uh, obviously, that's not going to happen. And the next events are going to be in the States. So, uh, right now, you know, uh, to, be, uh, to be realistic about it, we're looking at February. Are you contracted more than one fight deal? I mean, do you have multiple contracts with them? Yes, I have a so, you just have to wait for a specific time and fight. That that's what they spend yes. a visa on. Yes, exactly. The specific fight they're saying yeah. on that. That's awesome. How many fights are you on? I mean, what is your contract? My contract's on four fights. Uh, the, my, my first contract is on four fights. Lovely. 
Fikus, when you were there, obviously fighting, not in front of a crowd and stuff. What was that environment like? It was quite, you know, it's quite quiet. <laughs> yeah, a lot of you can hear a lot of talking and so forth. Um, is it distracting? You know, is it is it hard to find your rhythm and or, or find your zone? Yeah, uh, for me, you know, I, I believe most fighters, not all, but most of them really live off that that energy in the crowd. I know I do. I love yeah. fighting in front of those big crowds. It's it's amazing. Uh, it just it just makes the room for error. Like now, you know, you know, millions of people are watching back home, sure, but just to know that there's thousands of people in that arena looking yeah. at you, it just makes that that hunger in you like not to give up and just to go and put on a show. That's that's uh, where you've got to pivot as an athlete or as a person is that you've got to adapt to your surrounding. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. You can't have people there. You've got to just make, get on and do it, and that's what. Oh, hundred percent. So when I walked out, it was it was pretty cool. I didn't really even realize it. Once the fight started, surprisingly, it felt to me like every other fight. Once the fight started, I didn't even realize there's no crowd. What I did realize, like, how good I could hear my corner's uh, advice. So his corner was speaking Portuguese. My corner was speaking Afrikaans. So, so we couldn't hear anything about the other corners. We didn't understand. Yeah, lost in translation. So, so, I mean, that was something that was cool. And uh, after the fight, obviously, I always like to jump on the cage and scream as loud as I can when I win. You know, just that emotion. And for this fight, before the fight, I decided, listen, if I win this fight, I'm not going to do that because it's going to be weird. There's no crowd that I'm jumping on the cage for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as soon as I got that knockout, refs jumped in between us. The excitement was just too much. And <laughs> I couldn't help it. I just jumped on the cage and shouted as loud as I could. All right, you, just, and, you must do it. You must do you. You can't let things change you. Yeah, yeah listen. and uh, oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, gents, let's uh, thanks for sharing this with us. Obviously, uh, it's been awesome, but let's talk a little bit about this weekend UFC 254. Plenty buzz. Um, let's start off with uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. It's it's mouth watering. What, what do you think it's going to happen there? Oh man, that is that's, that's probably one of the most anticipated fights. Other than the Israel the Sanya Costa fight, that was very very disappointing. Um, I think uh, I think this Gaethje uh, Khabib fight. I mean, you can't deny Khabib. He's twenty eight and zero in the UFC, a champion. He faced the best of the best. But there's something special about Justin Gaethje. I think there's something special about him, especially if you look at the Gaethje that fought Tony Ferguson. It wasn't the same Gaethje that when he gets clipped, he just brawls. It wasn't the same Gaethje that when he hurts you, he just brawls. He was calculating. He still had that dog in him to go out and get, get the most exciting win he could possibly get. But it was so much more calculated. And I think his team and his experience in the UFC went to UFC 17 and 0, 15 knockouts. So, I mean, with a record like that, you are used to going in there and, you know, just throwing whatever you want and you get the knockout most probably. And now you're fighting guys like Abib, guys like Sasson Poyer and guys like Michael Johnson, guys like, uh, he's the other guy that finished him, uh, Eddie Alvarez, because he got reckless. And you could see he made the necessary adjustments. You still have that aggression and that crazy overhand and left hook, but just more sophisticated. He just fights so much smarter. And uh, I honestly believe the guy, I'm not saying he's beating Gabi 100%. All I'm saying is, in my opinion, he's the guy to beat Khabib. You think he's got the most chance out of everyone before him? Uh, 100%. I just want to tell you... Good 
I just want to tell you that you all have gone mad. Oh, you think Khabib is going to kill him? Khabib's going to Listen, yeah. You do not deny the king. The king is going to manhandle this kid. I promise you, watch. Watch. Oh, I can't wait. So what what I think is going to happen is Khabib is going to shoot. Yeah, he's gonna shoot, and then I what? think Khabib's gonna shoot. Khabib doesn't have the best shot in the game. Khabib has the best weight when he has you against the fence. He has the best clinch in the game to get you on the floor. I think Gaethje is gonna be able to move out of the way. And Gaethje, you know, I read, the, I, I heard the story about his eye problem. He needs to touch his opponent to really hit him because he had such bad eyesight. And that's the way he okay. fights. He almost puts one hand out. So with Khabib being in the clinch all the time. Gaethje strikes like a mad person in the clinch. I honestly believe he has what he has the power in the clinch to knock out Khabib. Yeah, listen, hundred percent. He's uh, he's got unbelievable combinations. He's he's uh, striking is on the money. He's short. He's sharp. He's got unbelievable defense. Uh, he's got this incredible footwork. I was watching a, a promo today about how. They strike with his feet. They don't strike with his hands. So they use his feet yeah, to I create saw that. the angles and, and create the power. And uh, he can control the fight. People don't realize how much he's controlling the distance. But... Khabib's still going to win, bro. But... But, but I, he's facing Khabib Nagamamedov. I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 hard to, it's hard to deny Khabib. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But now that Gareth's called, it's probably going to lose. No, exactly. So that's why I'm... We're going to bet the other way now. Exactly. Run for the hills. Justin, not say things like this. But listen, imagine, imagine Gaethje knocks out Khabib. I mean, it will set up a trilogy. It would be incredible. Imagine. And imagine my auntie balls <laughs> hey, you know the sport better than others. Anything can happen in the sport, guys. Anything can happen. No, yeah, we do believe you. This guy takes the best fighters in the world, he throws them around, and then he talks to them while he's doing it. And he asks yeah. them to quit. Please stop. Like like 150 million behind it. Yeah. No, he's no. Yeah, listen, I think we set up for one of the, what could potentially, either two things are going to happen. Either Khabib is going to maul him and it's going to be ugly, or you're going to see one. of the parts you've ever watched. But I do think Khabib is going to, Khabib is going to crush him. I agree with Justin on this. I think one or two things are going to happen. Khabib is either going to, like, that's what I'm scared of. Like, I'm really backing Gaiji. And maybe Khabib just does to him what he does to everybody so easily. He just gets him on the floor and just manhandles him. And Gaiji being the tough guy that he is, he takes it for five rounds, but yeah. he gets absolutely destroyed for five rounds. And that's yeah. going to be, that's going to suck. Or it's going to be one of the most competitive fights ever. And we're going to see Khabib being tested for the first time. But tested I hope being, that happens. Take damages. That's what I hope. Uh, see how Khabib does what he does when he's taken a shot that puts him on the mat. When he's taken a shot by Justin Gaethje, when he's, maybe they get to the third round, he shots because Khabib does gas when he doesn't get his way on the ground. When he has to try and shoot and doesn't get the takedown. And Gaethje started 
starts killing that front leg. Because Gaethje is one of those guys that can kick that low kick from the clinch. And he yeah. does it extremely hard. Very. Yeah, it's, oh. it's quite... It is, even, even in the off... Fight, uh, it's, it's, uh, I know you kick very hard, but you never know they could scoop and take you down. No, 100%. And that's why I was saying... I, 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 I can guarantee that Gaethje won't be kicking this fight unless he's in a situation where Khabib is really struggling cardio-wise. Like Khabib is in a, a place where he's struggling to, to really land shots. So Khabib is really not explosive anymore. I think that will be the only place where Gaethje starts showing the low kicks because Gaethje has devastating low kicks. And he shouldn't be kicking the low kicks like he does uh, sometimes the high low kicks, you should be kicking below the knee. Yeah, kicking at the ankle. Yeah, he said that in a, he said that in an article in a, a interview that he's like, I'm not kicking this guy above the knee, and I only have to hit him four times, and then it's over. But the thing is, what people forget that Khabib has just enough, just as much power to hit him once and put him lights out. Gaethje takes a lot. He takes a lot to give a lot. Yeah. That's just true. Question. Does Gaethje have a twin brother? Does Gaethje have a twin brother? Where did you get yeah. that? <laughs> I'm sure I read it that he's got a twin brother. Justin, I will reckon that's the, that's the second time in history because that. Only the second time in the Remember, there was that uh, <laughs> when that used to fight, they, they would always say that his brother would weigh in for him. You don't remember that? Yeah, yeah you got a break yeah. up on your history, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And there was also one other. It was other. It was another. Also, another brothers that did that. I see that did that as well. It was. Uh, I think I could, I could have even been the Nigera brothers. Yeah, they because really, they look the like big dog. Yeah, big dog. Hey? You say? They, were there. they look exactly the same. You see Nigera brothers. Yeah. Well, they do. Yeah. Um, no, gents. I the one was bigger. Alistair O'Reilly's got a, a brother that looks the same, and I met him. We're at your fight. Who's that? Uh, Alistair O'Reilly's got a brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. I sent yeah, you a picture looked, when I was in Rotterdam. Yeah, I looked a lot like him. You're going to have to post yeah. that hey, on Drickers, social media. Drickers, how did you find that, that you were, like, all of a sudden at the UFC and you were checking these oaks that you had watched growing up? I mean, what was that? Uh, that was one thing. When I walked a day, just the second day, we got out of quarantine on the Monday. And that Tuesday, we had a, it was almost like the commentators meeting uh, type of day where the commentators just sat down with the fighters in a room. So it was Dan Hardy, Michael Chiesa, uh, John Gooden, and uh, Paul Felder, and that lady from ESPN. And they all sat there and they just started talking. We just had a conversation like, like we're doing right now, for 30 minutes, 25 minutes. So they just get to know you a little bit better, asking you, how did you start MMA? Or like, you know, really getting to know a person. And when I walked into that room, I was like, holy shit. I'm standing next to these yeah. legends of MMA, and I'm in there, and I didn't take photos with all of them. Well. And they are treating me like an equal, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. It was, it, was, it was absolutely insane. And so one of the Nogueira brothers was uh, the guy I fought. Uh, he's at, at American Top Team. And he's a, the, the black guy's Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach. He's a black belt on the Nogueira brothers. And uh, 
I was like, I want to ask this guy's coach for a photo, but that's going to look ridiculous before a fight. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to wait till after the fight. Then yeah, afterwards. Yeah. All right, boys. We've only got uh, yeah. uh, four and a half minutes <laughs> left. Uh, so can we uh, get some quick questions in for Drickus and then uh, we end off with our predictions for this weekend. So uh, four minutes, 25. Let's go. Uh, Soldier Boy. Can I have a question? Of course. Yes. Anytime. So I listened to the podcast just before my fight while I was in quarantine with you guys. Uh, Gareth, thank you for saying such cool things about me. That was awesome. Yeah, only a pleasure, bro. And then uh, uh, the big question I do have is what, should you, what do you think I should be doing about my transition between the strikes and wrestling? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. No, listen. Uh, striking no, that's the kind of criticism you need, man. You have to no, get no, that listen, outside view, and that's why listen, it's important. Yeah, listen, uh, uh, it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult space, especially in UFC, because everybody can wrestle, and everybody can yeah. wrestle. You know, you are um, you are way ahead, like you would find yourself at UFC. You are being matched at every level in terms of skill set. And that's all mentality. It's all about creating good scenarios for yourself and good opportunity. In, in those times when you want to create good shots, you've got to have good composure. And good composure would be like the combination yeah. that you threw, that you caught that guy. He was throwing a spinning elbow, but it's a good setup for yourself. It's, you put him on the back foot. You've created space. You never want a guy to be able to match you in the contact point. You want to be able to, yes. you want to, be able to assert yourself in that contact point. So any, he's going to defend incredibly well. You want to put yourself in a scenario where you are, are, are how do I say it? You are creating... You're fighting you on your are, terms. Yeah, you're setting it on your terms. You're creating it on your beats. So you're ahead already in terms of the decision-making. You know that... Yeah, it's it like a chess match. If I'm one and move ahead, I'm going to stay one move ahead. Yeah. So we were having a long discussion about it, myself and Neil. Uh, we're having a chat about you and and where we see you being so dominant. And, and I think the most amazing thing is that on your feet, you can knock guys out. But where I see you being a world beater is pretty much when you get on top of guys and you create that chaos. Into and, that. and that's where emissions come from because until somebody starts hitting you in the and face. And that's my favorite saying then, as well, like, if I grappled Yannick Bahati, for example, in a grappling comp, I'm pretty certain he would kick my ass. Well, I'll be Yannick. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we, we, we're I'm running out sure. of... Carry on there, Drikas. Finish off, my friend. Oh, sorry, sorry. Guys, I didn't even get anybody a chance to ask questions. Sorry. No, no, no. Drikas, call me. I'll, 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 uh, I'll give you a few you know more. You the funny thing about Garrett? He's actually the most humble like you know. He gives Perla advice. So now, now he's getting out of the bag. Because look how nice he is. Can you exactly. believe it? Exactly. I've known for a while, but the rest of the world knows. Drikas, right. what a fun speaking to you, buddy. Drikas. I'm so proud of you. And it's amazing what you've done. Thank you yep. so much, guys. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the nice stuff you said before the fight. And thanks for, for this opportunity. It's awesome. 
Well, it's always a pleasure. You're always welcome on MMA Uncaged. And uh, we look forward to following you, your next fight, hopefully next year in, in, uh, in the US. And gentlemen, as always, we thank you. Uh, Drikus, we're very proud of you. Keep up the hard work and you've done the country proud. You've done yourself proud. But this is just the beginning, man. This is just one of many. So good luck going forward. Well, that's it for MMA Uncaged. Thank you very much uh, for watching and listening. And uh, we'll catch you again next time. Soldier Boy, Gareth McClellan, Justin Ferrier, and of course, the double champ, uh, Drickus Duplessis making his debut on Fight Island. Like and subscribe, and we'll chat again soon. Let's go. Myself, they call me J-O-A to the easy end Know that we undefeated, y'all are beneath them speeches Trying to air a grievance, but his lines are overhead Better check the air for clearance, call the tower This is our credit, he the air apparent uh-huh. Really, I've never been better Legacy, this is forever All the more times I've been seven I'm raising the bar, you can go ahead and measure Think about time for a toast Time that we welcome to go Yo, we're just leaving it, no This right here forever